perfect here. Hold on one second. Mask problems. It's hooked to me. I don't want to go. Okay, so I mentioned this on Facebook earlier that uh, our church is celebrating a very unique first, okay? Um, for the very first time, we have a church member of the After Church who was selected in the fifth round of the NFL draft uh, this weekend. So um, tonight we uh, celebrate and applaud Ade Tokumbo Gundeji uh, for going in the fifth round of the draft. Um, Ade, if you're listening, buddy, we love you. Uh, so he'll be going to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and uh, I talked to him yesterday, and he is very, very, very excited, as you can imagine. So we celebrate that together. Uh, okay, so raise your hand if you are a patient person. Okay, a few of you. Uh, raise your hand if you are a pathological liar. Okay, I just wanted to see what the overlap might be <laughs> in those answers. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that none of you that raise your hand are patient people, okay? It's, it's absolutely possible. Maybe you are a very patient person, and that's wonderful. I am not. I am not a patient person, okay? I am the type of person that complains about the fact that the closest grocery store to my house is eight minutes away. We used to live on uh, Grape Road in Mishawaka, and Meyer was a quarter of a mile away, right? And open 24 hours. So that is the kind of distance that I like to have between myself and wherever I'm trying to go, okay? Now it's like, I, I got to take a road trip to go to the grocery store. Like, do I pack snacks? I kiss my wife on the way out the door, and I'm like, I'll miss you. And I'll be gone for so long. That's how I view that trip. And don't even get me started on how impatient I am in the car, okay? There is a uh, stoplight, an intersection near my house that seems to know when I am coming and always be on red and then stay red for approximately an hour and a half. Every time. Every time I pull up and I'm like, Lafayette Boulevard again, Lafayette. Or if I'm driving and someone cuts in front of me and goes slow. Now, of course, you know that what I mean when I say goes slow, I mean that they go the speed limit, okay? Because normal people break the law, am I right? Normal people break the law, go five to 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. So, if someone in front of me is driving slowly, I'm sorry, but I am that guy who is going to follow as closely as I possibly can, and when I can finally get around them, I will give them a stern glare, okay? That is after glaring at them so hard, I'm trying to will their tires to pop, and so I'll just shake my head as I, as I go past them. That's, that's me. Maybe, maybe I just have road rage. I don't, I don't know. Um, or, or have you ever looked up a recipe online and, and it says something like average preparation time one hour and you go, no way. Absolutely not. What can I cook in the microwave? Uh, chicken nuggets it is because I don't want to wait that long. Or, or maybe you've been through this. 
Have you ever screamed at your phone, it has been three days, Amazon Prime. Why am I paying you, you thieving garbage people? It's supposed to be two days, and it's been three. That's how we are, right? We are not patient people. We live in a world of instantaneous fulfillment. We have supercomputers in our pockets that deliver us all of the information in the universe in less than a second. We have cooking gadgets like the Instant Pot that can make us a full home-cooked meal in 15 minutes or less. We can pay someone to wait in line at the DMV for us so that we don't have to. Ian's like, you can? Yes, you can. Okay, that is a business provided, all right? You can pay someone to go places for you and wait in line. I read a study that said that 96%, okay, 96, this, this statistic I feel like is way too high, but according to this study, 96% of Americans will knowingly consume hot food or drinks that burn their mouths because they don't want to wait for it to cool off. Okay, it sounds like many of you have been there. More than half of us, according to this study, will hang up the phone if we are on hold for one minute or less. When waiting for a table at a restaurant, more than 20%, this seems low, more than 20% of young people admit that they will wait less than one minute to approach the hostess once their uh, prescribed uh, wait time has expired. So if the hostess says, uh, it'll be about 10 minutes. At 10 minutes and 30 seconds, most of us are going, is my table ready yet? Okay, I, listen, okay. I discovered the greatest thing in the world when it comes to not waiting for food, okay? My family loves eating at Chick-fil-A. Any Chick-fil-A fans here? Yes. Okay, so have you ever waited in the drive through line at the Chick-fil-A that's on Main Street in Mishawaka? Anyone? Okay, thank you. Dude, miss me with that. I, I do not want to do that, okay? Even though, even though Chick-fil-A has the fastest drive through on planet Earth. Those people are rocket scientists. I don't know what their system is. They are playing 4D chess, okay? They are geniuses. They should be running the country, without a doubt. So their drive through is faster than anyone. But I don't want to wait all the way back at Home Depot so that I can get through the, the drive through line at Chick-fil-A. But here's what we figured out. And don't you dare tell anyone this. Okay, this is our little secret, so keep this to yourself. Most of these suckers waiting in line have no idea that you can order ahead using the Chick-fil-A app. And when you order ahead, you go to a different line. And that line is always, always shorter, okay? I went on Friday for lunch. Friday at lunch is one of the worst times to go to a drive-thru, especially Chick-fil-A. I ordered ahead on the mobile app, and there were only three people ahead of me in line, 
at the mobile ordering line, while the drive-through line extended past Aldi. Okay? And I cannot tell you the glee, the glee that I experience as I am driving around the long line of cars to get into the mobile order line. And I can just feel all these people glaring at me as they are in their cars crying out, why is he so special? And then, then I get my food and I dip my fries in their hatred and jealousy and it's delicious. <laughs> the point is, we are not patient at all. We want everything now. Waiting is the hardest thing in our universe. And that is exactly why so few of us ever live fruitful lives for the kingdom of God. Because bearing fruit takes time. And most people, unfortunately, give up before they bear much fruit because it's taking so long. John Piper put it this way. I have dealt with more people, I'm not sure if this is true, but it's close, who are ready to give up their Christian faith precisely because of the slowness of their sanctification rather than because of physical harm that's been brought to them or hurt that's come into their life. They're just tired. In this series called Replant, we're talking about people who bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And God, in his infinitely infuriating wisdom, has designed us in such a way that these fruits of the Spirit take forever to harvest. But what I want to show you today is that slow and steady is actually better. And even if it wasn't, there is no other way, so get used to it. When God plants spiritual seed into the soil of our hearts, it takes a long time to grow into a fruit-bearing plant. But if we don't give up, we will see him do amazing things in us. So, turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, um, if you need uh, help finding that, it is right after 1 Peter. So, there you go. We'll be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, first in verses 3 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be behind me um, on the screen. Um, Josh, is the, uh, is the stream working i just okay then disregard that text okay second peter chapter one we'll be looking at verses three through fifteen peter says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, 
Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, if you flip over one page, we'll also be looking in chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. He says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be? in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Indulge me for a moment while I talk about something that all of us find exciting. Potatoes. One time, we were playing this discussion game uh, based on questions, and the question was, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? My answer was obvious. Steak. 
specifically, filet mignon. Now, I know that some of you were expecting that I would say bacon, because you've heard me talk about bacon so many times. Bacon ranks a very close second behind steak, which is why my favorite food in the world is bacon-wrapped steak. But I didn't figure that would be allowed because technically that's two different foods. So I said, steak. My wife said, potatoes. And this was my face. Potatoes? Out of all the delicious things in the world, you picked potatoes? Why would you pick potatoes? And she said, well, because potatoes are like the most versatile food ever. Okay? You can make so many things with potatoes. French fries, mashed potatoes, au gratin potatoes, potato salad, potato soup, hash browns, tater tots, baked potatoes, vodka. I'm like, okay, true. Potatoes are superfoods, I guess. So, being the homeschooler that I am, I started looking up stuff about potatoes. <laughs> and I found some pretty interesting things. One is that I could never grow potatoes, okay? I am bad enough at growing grass, okay? My lawn is ugly. Allison, on the other hand, has done a really good job with the flower garden that we have at the front of our house. Um, if I wanted to badly enough, I might be able to do something like that, okay? Uh, growing some flowers or some little vegetables or, or whatever, but not potatoes, I do not have the patience or the faith required to grow potatoes. When potatoes are planted, it can take between 70 to 150 days for the plant to mature. And the first 50 days, pretty much nothing happens at all. Nothing perceptible anyway. If you, if you planted flowers, you would be seeing beautiful blooms by then. But with potatoes, the plant is just sitting there in the ground. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's putting out feeder roots into the soil and growing a little bit of foliage. You guys are going to go home and they'll be like, well, how's church? And you'll be like, we talked about potatoes. It was awesome. Um, so what's happening is that the, the potato plant is actually um, storing energy. Uh, at that point. And the leaves and the roots have to be fully developed before any of the potatoes actually start developing. And the potatoes are actually how the plant stores energy. The plant stores energy in the form of potatoes. So most of the development of the potatoes doesn't even take place until the last two or three weeks. More than half of the development of the actual potato happens at the very end of the process. So the plant develops for a really long time, and then the fruit comes fairly quickly. So that means that you have to time the harvest right. You have to wait until the last possible moment to dig up the potatoes, because if you do it too early, you'll reduce your crop by more than 50%. 
But what's really difficult is that everything is happening under the surface. You can't actually watch potatoes develop. You can't dig down to check what's going on underground. If you do, you'll damage the plant and damage then your harvest. Now, if you're growing something like flowers, you can trace every step, right? You can see every stage of growth. You can easily track this process and enjoy it as it is happening. You can watch it taking place. The flower blooms right in front of you. But with potatoes, it is impossible to know what kind of harvest you will have because the only thing that you can see are some leaves that are growing above the surface. All the important stuff is happening underground. And you cannot tell if it's going well. Could be a perfect crop. It could be a terrible crop. There could be one potato down there. There could be 30. You don't know. You have to wait until you pull up the plants at harvest time. You have to be patient. You have to wait on a process that you can't actually track visually. You have to take care of the soil. You have to faithfully water. You have to faithfully pull weeds. And that is it. While every other plant in your garden is fun to check on every day, potatoes are not. You can look at the other vegetables getting bigger, changing colors, growing little vegetable siblings, and you can even harvest them one by one as they're ready. But with potatoes, you just tend and wait. But if you patiently do that, you will reap a tremendous harvest. This is what our spiritual growth looks like. It is slow. So slow that most of the time it is imperceptible. And we ask, am I even growing at all? Am I progressing in my faith? When will I bear fruit? When will I stop struggling with the same stupid stuff? Why won't God just grow me quicker? I have to confess to you (laughs) that I am also preaching this sermon to myself because the same is true of a church. (laughs) I need this. But what I want us to see in 2 Peter is that God is indeed growing you. But he's growing you like a potato. So I want us to see three things in the book of 2 Peter. First is that he's given us everything we already need. Second is that what he gives us has to grow very slowly. And third is that we have to continue to daily tend the crop as we wait. So, for you note-takers, here is point number one. Seeds are fully equipped when they are planted. Seeds are already fully equipped when they are planted. Very often, in our impatience, in the midst of our impatience, we pray to God to give us something that we believe we do not already possess. 
we think, if I haven't harvested a bunch of fruit by now, obviously that means I'm missing something. There, there must be something that I don't have, and I need to pray that God would give it to me. This, after all, is usually how we pray about the fruit of the Spirit. When we look at that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, we look at that list and we go, gosh, I don't have very much love. God, give me love. Give me love so that I can be loving. God, I'm not a very kind person, especially when I'm driving. God, give me kindness so that I can be kind. God, I'm not... I'm, I'm not showing much joy in my heart right now. Give me joy so that I can be joyful. I don't have this yet. Please give it to me. But God's response to that is that he already has given us those things in the form of seeds. But it takes time for those seeds to grow into healthy fruit. Look once more in, um, in the book of Second Peter. In chapter 1 at verses 3 through 4. These are the first couple of verses that we read at the beginning. It says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So these verses tell us very clearly, God has already given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. All that you need to follow after him faithfully, you already have. You are not lacking anything if you are in Jesus. In Christ, we are already complete. We have passed from death to life. But even though we are complete, there's still something that's not yet fully revealed in us. So you might say that you and I have something in common with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is described as being already, but not yet. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God over and over and over and over in the gospels, saying things like, the kingdom of God is in your midst. But he also talked about the future fulfillment that would come in the kingdom of God. What he was saying to the people was, I am the essence of the kingdom. I am in your midst. The kingdom of God is already here, but I am slowly progressing my way through history, revealing myself more and more, because at some point, the fullness of the kingdom of God will dwell here on earth. Think about it like this. Think about it like a woman who is pregnant. Okay, a woman who is pregnant is already, but also not yet. For a period of approximately nine months, the woman carries a child within her, and and that child grows, It, it develops, it becomes more and more of the person he or she is going to be, but yet already is. 
And the mother also is becoming more of something that she already is. You see, as soon as that child is conceived, that woman is already a mother, even though her baby hasn't yet been born. Allison and I celebrated her first Mother's Day and then my first Father's Day while she was pregnant with Eli. While she was pregnant with Eli, we were already a mother and a father. We were already parents. But the fullest sense of parenthood wasn't realized until we held that little minion in our arms for the first time. (laughs) And so there is a sense in which there is something that is already here, but it also hasn't been fully realized. The kingdom of God is already here, but also not yet shown in its fullness. So you might say that we live in a pregnant world, in an already but not yet. Because God is completely, totally in power already. But the realm of this world has not yet been fully restored. The kingdom of God is already, and the kingdom of God is not yet. The same is true with us. We are already, we are saved, we are redeemed. If we have placed our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I am fully saved, I am fully redeemed, I have been given everything I will ever need for life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Past tense. Past tense, it's speaking as something is done. But yet those things are still growing in us. Those things are still changing us slowly. When you were saved, Peter says, God fully equipped equipped you with everything you'll ever need for life and godliness. We are already complete. We are already washed. But... We are not yet glorified. We're not yet fully sanctified. We're not yet grown. When you plant a seed in the ground, that seed already contains everything related to its nature. It lacks nothing in its makeup. A seed potato is already in its nature, 100% seed potato. But it hasn't grown to maturity yet. And doing so is going to take time. It's, it's going to undergo changes. It's going to break down and it's going to rebuild. But the essence won't change. It will stay potato plant the whole time. And so I want to give you hope as we start out that if you are in Christ, you already are in possession of everything God needs to give you. Everything. If you are in Christ, you lack nothing. But another measure of hope here is that you're not yet all that you're going to be. You have to be patient as God grows you. So, point number two. Growth was purposely designed to go slowly. Growth was purposely designed to go slowly. Ah! 
Look now at verses 5 through 8 in chapter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have in these verses is a slow progression. It is one thing being added on to another, being added on to another, being added on to another. And this is not instantaneous, okay? Again, you already have these things. You you already have these pieces, but also you you are in the midst of adding these things on top of each other. You take this and then you add this and then you add this. And you know what? Sometimes the, the house crumbles and you've got to start over and add again and add again and add again. And this is a process that happens very slowly. Look at verses uh, 8 and 9 here. Um, actually, verses 8 and 9 in chapter 3. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. What this is telling us very clearly is that God is not on my timeline. God does not see time the way that I do. He is not limited to this time-space continuum in the same way that I am. I am locked in a linear progression. All I have right in front of me is now. And behind me is the past, and in front of me is the future. God has the entire timeline uh, all at once, and interacts with it all at once. That's why he says that a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. God looks at all time, and all time is the same to him. Nothing to him is fast or slow. It is just as it should be. We are the ones that think it's very slow. And Peter says very clearly that we think that it's slow. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. He's saying, there are some people, wink, wink, that think God is going really, really slow. But the Lord isn't actually going slow the way that you think he is. He is being patient with us. There's time for us that is passing by slowly that God is at work because he is not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. He's in the midst of doing something that to us takes so much time but to him is already done. Now we might ask the question, couldn't God just grow us quickly? Couldn't he just snap his fingers and say, Okay, you've decided to follow after me. Awesome. Here are your superpowers. Wouldn't that be 
nice. Couldn't he grow us slowly? Maybe, but then things wouldn't look like the way that they're supposed to look like. There are many reasons why God chooses to grow us and on purpose designed us to grow slowly. Among those reasons is that growing slowly keeps us relying on him every single day. Every day we are reminded of how frail we are. Every day we are reminded of how needy we are before the Lord. Every day we're reminded, I cannot do this on my own. Which is why when Jesus was telling his disciples how to pray, he told them to pray, give us this day our daily bread. God, I need bread today. I I, I need bread today. I need you today. And a slow growth keeps us going back to the source of life, saying, I need you today. I need you today. I need you today. Because God forbid we were ever given a gift and then walk away from the giver. Because the gift is not the good thing. The giver is the good thing. And so God designed us in such a way that we got to keep coming back to the best thing and that is him in addition god desires to make us steadfast and faithful people steadfast and faithful now steadfastness and faithfulness by their very nature have to be developed over time otherwise they're not steadfast and faithful again think about the fruits of the spirit specifically think about patience Does it make sense for us to say to God, give me patience now? (laughs) That is not a display of patience. Patience has to be slowly grown in order to actually be patient. Self-control has to be slowly grown as it is tested more and more, as, as it is given progressive overload over time, then it becomes self-control. These things that we desire for God to grow in us must be grown in us. We are designed on purpose to grow. I want you to consider something that perhaps you have never considered before. It would be easy for us to say, well, God made Adam and Eve perfect, didn't he? God, in the garden, crafted with his own hands these two perfect people. So why can't God just snap his fingers and make us like them? Here's what I want you to think about. Imagine for a moment that Adam and Eve had not sinned in Genesis 3. Or, or at least that there was a long gap of time between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. Okay, say 100 years that they continued to live in perfection. Now we don't know for sure how much time went by between chapter 2 and chapter 3. It could have been a while. We're not given the sense that it was, but it could have been. But let's just imagine that a long period of time goes with Adam and Eve existing in perfection. So consider this. Adam and Eve were made sinless. But perhaps what you've not considered is that Adam and Eve were not made static. They were made sinless, 
but they were not made static. In other words, they were created with a clean slate. But over time, even they would have been slowly filling that slate with experienced, learned, slow, developed spiritual skill. They too, in perfection, would have continued to grow. Now, they would have had the tremendous benefit of not having sin working against them, which we do every day. We have a sinful nature that actively works against our spiritual growth. They would not have had that. But they would not have remained static forever. They too would have grown. Do you know how I know this for sure? Because of what the Bible tells us about the only other perfect sinless human in history. In Luke chapter 2 verse 52, speaking about Jesus, Luke says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Kind of a head scratcher, right? Jesus, who is literally God in the flesh, experienced the fullness of humanity. And in so doing, what he did was he gave us the perfect picture of what it looks like to be fully human. Jesus showed us what humanity was supposed to be, how to live this life in perfect service to the Father. And part of that that Jesus showed us was slow spiritual growth. Consider the fact that Jesus stayed out of the spotlight for 30 years. For 30 years while he served the Father in secret, preparing himself for his public ministry. And according to Luke, growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So if Jesus, a man who remained perfect and sinless, grew over time in stature and wisdom, Adam and Eve, had they stayed sinless, would have done the same thing. Because the second Adam, Jesus, accomplished what the first Adam did not. So what that means for you and I now is that even if in a moment God snapped his fingers, took away all your sins, said you have no sinful nature anymore, I'm removing all the obstacles of your flesh, even if he did that, you would still live a life of slow spiritual growth. You would still daily grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. The difference is that you'd no longer be impatient about it. <laughs> the, the difference is that you would daily be, uh, be filled with joy over that process. We have to understand that God's desire is not for converts. God, God ha we, we have this view of God where, where he's up in heaven just waiting for us to believe the right set of facts. And, and as soon as we express that we do believe that correct set of facts, he just snaps his fingers and says, all right, you're all good now. You're in the club. 
but that's not what God desires at all. God desires to transform us. God desires to make us more like him. God desires that more and more every day we become more of who we already are. So brothers and sisters, do not give up. Do not lose heart. What God is doing in you, what he's doing in us, what he is doing in this church, takes time. We can't give up hope before the harvest comes. We have to be patient, and we have to keep tending. Again, I, I want you guys to understand that in my mind, there is a mirror right here, and I'm preaching this at myself. What God is doing takes time on purpose. And so point number three is this. We are called to tend as we wait. We might say, okay, what now? All right? Great. It's a long process. What do I do today? What do I walk out of here with? I don't want us to walk out of here with the idea that we just sit around and do nothing while God works under the surface. That he's the one at work, we just sit on our hands. That's not at all what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that we are called to be participants in this. If you go back to chapter 1, and now look at verse Uh, 10 through 15, chapter 1. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these, practice, talking about practice, practice, not not a game, not not a game, talking about practice, Practice, practice. Allen Iverson didn't want to practice, okay? That's the point. We are to practice, 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 practice. Over and over and over. Not relying on myself, not relying on my abilities. I'm practicing every day. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice those qualities... You will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend to always remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus made clear to me. And I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter makes it very clear that we are to be daily practicing, daily walking, daily following, daily being faithful, daily tending, daily watering, daily pulling up weeds. We cannot make the mistake of using slowness as a license for sin. We can't make the mistake of using slowness as a license for laziness. We can't look at ourselves and say, well, 
I can't really put that high of an expectation on myself because that's unrealistic. I know that I'm not nearly what I'm going to be, so a little sin today is to be expected. A little bit of laziness today is to be expected. You know, if I just sit back, it's not like I'm making the process go any slow. It's slow. We can't make the mistake of doing that. Even though the process is slow, the process requires faithfulness. In the the text that we read today, between chapter 1 and chapter 3, Peter uses the Greek word for diligence three times. Three times he uses the same word. In chapter 1, verse 5, in chapter 1, verse 10, and then in chapter 3, verse 14. In verse 5, he says, for this reason, make every effort. Okay, this word, make every effort, is the same word that he uses in verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. And then again in chapter 3, verse 14, where he says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent. So three word, uh, th- three times, the same word. And what he says there is, while you are waiting, be diligent. You're not just waiting, doing nothing. While you are waiting, be diligent. That Greek word that he uses those three times is the word spodatso, which I think is hilarious because it starts with the word spud. Spodatso, diligent, spud. Like a spud. And this word, spadazzo, means intense effort. Specifically, it talks about having intensity of purpose followed by intensity of effort toward the realization of that purpose. It means to exert steady, earnest, energetic effort with care and perseverance in carrying out the necessary tasks and duties of that purpose. It is also a word that denotes haste. Not in the sense of hurry and be careless, in in the sense of not wasting time. So, this invisible growth that happens under the surface doesn't mean that we just kick back and do nothing while we wait. We don't procrastinate We set ourselves daily about the task of faithfulness. That is why Peter said that we're to daily make every effort, make every effort to supplement faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. We're daily doing this over and over and over. He's saying these are the things that we do every single day These are the things that we have to set our minds on. Every day we have to prayerfully seek after these things. Every day we have to live in this way. And when we do, God promises that we will be fruitful. God promises that we will be effective. God promises that we will harvest potatoes. But only if we don't give up. Only if we're willing to wait. Only if we are willing to be diligent as we wait. 
So I want to close with a verse from the Old Testament. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Kayla, this is actually Lamentations, not Leviticus. Okay. <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It says that his mercies are new every morning because we need them new every morning. We cannot rely on yesterday's mercies. We cannot presume upon tomorrow's mercies. We need new mercies today, every day, like manna from heaven every day. Because that is the only thing that will get us through. It is the only thing that will grow us into potatoes. Potatoes are, after all, the most versatile food in the world. We can only imagine whether God is going to make you a french fry or a baked potato. Only time will tell. Are you committed to being diligent as you wait? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the truth of your word and for this admonition, Lord, to faithfully be diligent as we wait on what you are doing. God, I pray that you would help us to be steadfast, to be committed, Lord, to be sold out, 